hot and dry, Lawrence is wandering back around a dead desert, going back to a worn-down school with limited textbooks and a small dusty room with the bed he made with his own hands. He is furious having to sneak back to camp that he escaped from. Lawrence is wishing he was back in California at a small house with his friends and school. Welcome back to MJK Radio and Julia. And Kira. Wait, where's Mar? Hey, sorry I'm late. I was at the library. Why were you at the library? I was studying stories of heroes in internment camps. Oh yeah, I can't believe you sent all those people there. Yeah, 110,000 Japanese Americans were sent to those camps. We were just talking about this amazing story about a Japanese American who went to one of these camps. His name was Lawrence Yatsu. Lawrence Yatsu and his parents were a completely normal Japanese-American family who lived in America. At the time, competition between Japanese-Americans and Americans grew between things like farming and businesses, and Americans were getting upset. Then one day, Pearl Harbor was bombed by Japan, and America joined the war. The government didn't trust Japanese-Americans anymore with their business practices, and now they were bombed by Japan. They felt Japanese-Americans would communicate with Japan and help them invade or spy on the American army. Most Americans felt unsafe with Japanese-Americans, so under a lot of pressure, FDR signed 9066. What's 9066? Well, after the devastating bombing in Pearl Harbor, everyone was suspicious about the Japanese-Americans, including FDR. They thought that the Japanese-Americans were spying on the American military, so under great pressure, FDR signed Executive Order 9066, which brought misery to Japanese-Americans. The order gave the military commanders the power of who gets put in these camps. 9066 was originally more about the military and was amended to be more about the people. Like, if you aren't loyal, you shall be put in these camps. The order sent Japanese Americans to a dreadful internment camp, only, also only allowing them to only bring what they could carry and to sell all their belongings and their houses. Can you imagine having one little bag and having to sell all your belongings? Grave injustice has been done to Japanese Americans. On February 16, 1976, Congress passed the Civil Liberties Act, which freed Japanese Americans. America was almost embarrassed about what they did. And 50 years later, they sent an apology letter and money. That's awful. Japanese Americans had to sell everything they owned. Lawrence Yatsu and his family sold their small white house with a little pond, their clothes, their furniture, everything. They could only bring one small bag. Lawrence's parents were placed at a camp in Poston, Arizona. Was Poston the only camp? No, there were ten camps, but Poston was one of the largest. In the internment camps, there was misery. There was, only, there was one small room for each family, including Yatsu's. The building was dirty. Yatsu lived with his family and attended the worn-down school. He snuck out often and left Poston, but he always had to return because there was nowhere else to go. All there was is an empty desert, as far as the eye can see. The food they ate was army-style grub, and it went against their culture because the food they were given wasn't a part of their traditions or religion. They did have schools, sports teams, jobs, and many people farmed, and it was hard because the soil was so dry. If they wanted to go to college, they had to take a loyalty test. And the college they went to had to be on the East Coast. You could also take the loyalty test if you wanted to join the Army. The loyalty test was a test to see if you would be loyal to the U.S. 
the results of the test would show if the U.S. thought that you were going to be loyal enough to leave without joining the Japanese-American side and giving away U.S. secrets. Yatsu took the loyalty test. According to Yatsu, all you had to do is say you would fight for America. Then you would pass, and you could leave. If you said you wouldn't be on America's side, you stayed at the camp or moved to Japan. Yatsu passed, and he went to Cornell University. After that, he joined the 442nd Combat Team in Italy. Unfortunately, Yatsu mistakenly touched a grenade and it exploded. He injured his arm, blew his ear from out, and tore his leg. He spent six months in the hospital. Wait, what was the 442? After Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, Nessie, descendants of Japanese, were no longer trusted by Americans. Americans sent Nessie to camps and kicked them out of the military. Instead of being mad, the Nessie tried everything t- to prove that they were loyal to America. The Nessie started the Triple V, a force that helped the U.S. Army. The Nessie were extremely helpful. The U.S. was so impressed that they started the 442, an all-Nessie fighting force. There were two groups in the 442, the Katongs from the mainland, whose families were trapped in camps, and the Budaheads, whose families were free. They didn't get along. Budaheads wasted money, and Katongs saved as much as they could to give to their families. The Budaheads didn't know what internment camps were, so they felt the Katongs were just uptight. Since the Budaheads didn't understand, they were sent to see the horrors of an internment camp. After that, Budaheads and Katongs were united and they made one of the most decorated forces in the army. Their motto became Go for Broke, which meant put everything on the line, which is exactly what Nessie were doing to prove their loyalty to America. So did all the Americans distrust Japanese Americans? Not all people thought Japanese Americans were bad. Lawrence Yatsu said his class from California sent him letters when he was in the camp, and one boy even wrote that he didn't think Japanese Americans were America's enemy. What about Japanese Americans? Did Japanese Americans try to stop the government from putting them or other people in those awful camps? Yes, Fred Korematsu was 23 when he refused to go to the camp with his family. He even got surgery to look more Hawaiian and Spanish. The FBI found out and arrested him for failure to report to the internment camps. The American Civil Liberties Union represented him in court to challenge the constitutionality of 9066. Korematsu was convicted of violating military orders and sentenced to a five-year probation and sent to an internment camp. Korematsu didn't want to give up, so he took his case to the Supreme Court. He was disappointed when the camps were ruled a military necessity. In 1983, volunteer lawyers reopened the case with important new evidence. They discovered that the government had been destroying evidence of Japanese Americans not ever being a threat to the rest of the country. Another court ruling cleared Korematsu's name, but the Supreme Court decision still stands for the camps. Hugo Black of the Supreme Court then said that he thought the camps weren't great, but they were military necessity and constitutional. Robert Jackson of the Supreme Court said that it violated the 14th Amendment and that they were really concentration camps because the camps were based off race. After all these years, we keep going back to racism. Historians now call the internment camps one of the worst civil rights violations of all time. Fifty years after everyone left the internment camps, the government issued an apology with letters to all Japanese Americans affected. And they got a lot of money. Yatsu graciously accepted the apology letter, saying it meant a lot to him. He got $20,000, and his wife was a Japanese-American, so she got $20,000 as well. Internment camps were horrible places, and Japanese-American families like Yatsu's shouldn't have ever been placed in them. We are very grateful Yatsu shared his incredible story. Thanks for listening to MJK Radio. I'm Marlena. I'm Julia. And I'm Kira. Bye!